Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's crack a drink and get the ball rolling, Mini. Um, unfortunately, no. I'm just here for the beer tonight. Um, be honest with you guys, I forgot to grab something, so we are going to be sipping on a nice, cool, crisp lemon lime uh, sprite tonight. Uh, for you guys, so apologize about that. Um, but yeah, with that, we are just going to dive right into um, Tommy Town. We have a little bit of uh, hockey news to talk about. So <clears throat> this um, this last Monday, uh, the men's hockey team was picked to tie for fifth in the CCHA coaches poll. Um, Tommy's earned actually one of eight first place votes, which was, um, not gonna lie, a little shocking just knowing how kind of top heavy the CCHA is. I mean, you look at Michigan Tech's always good. Um, Minnesota State's always good. Um, and, um, you know, Bowling Green and Northern Michigan are usually pretty up there too. So, um, yeah, once again, it's also worth noting. I know, I, you know, we've talked about some of these before with, the women's team, I think, last week, and then with basketball teams, um, head coaches are not allowed to vote for their um, uh, to vote for their own team, which says says a lot with St. Thomas's, um, uh, you know, third year in the CCHA. So with that, um, for the coaches poll, Northern Michigan was actually tabbed um, to finish number one with sixty seven points. They got four of the eight. Um, first place votes. Uh, Northern Michigan was right behind them with uh, three of those eight votes, finished with 66 points. Bowling Green was tabbed to finish third with 55. Bemidji State fourth with 49. And then St. Thomas getting that last number one uh, first place vote. But them in, I was shocked when I saw this, them in Minnesota State were tied for 45 points apiece to finish fifth. Uh, Ferris State in lone place of 7th with 36 and Lake Superior State um, with 29. So needless to say, super, super excited uh, for this season. And, you know, again, third-year head coach Rico Blasi is um, hoping to lead the most improved college hockey team into the 23-24 season with um, heightened hopes and expectations, to say the least. Um, the puck drops on the Tommy's uh, hockey season on Saturday, October 7th at 6 p.m. at the Herb Brooks Center in St. Cloud with the first of a home-and-home series against the soon-to-be-nationally-ranked St. Cloud State. Um, it's worth noting St. Thomas is returning 15 letter winners from last season, including leading goal scorer Mac Byers, whose 18 goals tied for third most in the CCHA uh, and the Tommies are also returning Aaron Trotter, who made appearances in 34 of 36 games. Um, and yeah, it should be should be a good uh, season. Um, the Tommies are welcoming 13 new faces uh, in year three. They have they feature seven transfers and six freshmen. Um, <coughs> 
excuse me, um, the, so let's start with the transfers. Transfers, we got graduate sen- senior James Marooney from Chaska, Minnesota. He's transferring from Ohio State. Uh, the defenseman played in 80 games for the Buckeyes, tallying 15 points across four seasons. Um, joining him is senior Matthew Gleason, a St. Paul uh, native, uh, transferred from Colorado College. Played in 70 games uh, for CC and tallied 27 points across three seasons for them. Redshirt sophomore Jake Ratz, Retzlaff from Rosemont, Minnesota, um, transferring from Wisconsin. Um, graduate student Noah Prokop um, of Highlands Ranch, Colorado, um, who's transferring from Colorado College as well, uh, played in 51 games for the Mavericks of Nebraska Omaha where he scored two goals and added two assists and then played 62 games for Colorado where he scored nine points in two seasons um uh, and then junior Liam Malmquist from Edina uh is transferring from Wisconsin played in 68 games for the Badgers tallying 16 points um graduate student Ryder Ryder Donovan from Duluth Minnesota transferring from Wisconsin uh, in 88 games for the Badgers, tallied 12 points across three seasons. Um, and then last transfer is junior Jake Seibel uh, from Isanti, Minnesota. He's coming in from Niagara, and the goalie played in 13 games for the Purple across two seasons. Um, so can't wait to see them uh, lace up for the uh, Purple and White this year. Um and then the six freshmen are uh, Cole Miller of Littleton, Colorado. Uh, he played for the his last team was the Sioux Falls Stampede, tallied 16 points in 106 games. Mason Pullman, a native of East Grand Forks, Minnesota, um, played for the Pentagon Vs, where he uh, had 29 goals in 85 games. Uh, Jace Sofo of Slovenia, Ohio. The defenseman played for the Amarillo Wranglers and assisted on 21 goals in 91 games. First year, J.D. Metz, native of Monomedi, Minnesota, who played in 100 games for the New Mexico Ice Wolves, scoring 19 goals um, and 53 points for them. Um, Max Prasma of Calgary, Ontario, uh, the goalie played in 67 games across four teams and juniors, ultimately tailing a 2.91 goals against average and a 9.07 uh, save percentage. And then last but certainly not least, uh, first-year uh, Tobias Abrahamson, a native of Jonaping, Sweden. A defenseman played for Kant Sangdom Gymnastics and scored 13 points in 92 games for them. So excited for all of them. Um, excuse me, uh, the Tommies finished their last season with an 11-23-2 overall record, finishing 10-14-2 in CCHA play. They defeated every team in the conference at least once um, last year, um, and of their 23 total losses, 10 of them were decided by one goals, so... um. You know, again, lots of lots of hope for this team, um, and can't wait to see ultimately what happens. So, um, with that, we move on to the Tommy football team, who suffered a tough, tough loss in um, 
um, in Boston, and, um, yeah, it kind of sucks. It, um, this game was kind of the opposite of the South Dakota game, where, um, excuse me, this, um, uh, le- or two weeks ago against South Dakota, they were only down 7 nothing going into halftime, so they really kind of did a good job of keeping it close going into halftime, and then the second half was where, um, the Coyotes, you know, just really proved to be the the better team. Whereas this time around, uh, Harvard took a thirty-one to nothing lead into um, halftime, and um, meanwhile, in the in the second half, it was essentially a fourteen to thirteen game in favor of Harvard. So, um, you know, the the unfortunate part is Saint Thomas, um, you know, won the time of possession battle. Um, they had the ball. <clears throat> for just over 40 minutes compared to Harvard's not even 20 minutes. Um, but unfortunately, the Tommies were, you know, 3 of 6 on 4th downs, um, 7 of 19 on 3rd downs. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough game to watch, you know, I got to say. Um, it's 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 worth noting St. Tommy's uh, the last time they gave up 21 points in the first qu- quarter was back in 2016's uh 2016 when they surrendered 21 points to uh UW Oshkosh in the opener of an NCAA tournament game uh which they eventually lost 34 to 31 um but yeah it was uh it was um tough Tough to watch. I don't know if you guys caught this, but junior wide receiver Andrew McElroy made um he had this sick grab. Um excuse me, and actually made ESPN's top ten this last weekend. So that was a that was pretty cool to see. But um Um you know, I guess, you know, they did, you know, make a little bit of an impression on their first offensive possession. Fueled by Andrew McElroy uh, returning to the starting lineup, they marched right down the field, advancing to the 21-yard line in just three minutes into the game. However, on fourth and sixth, um, Amari Powell, quarterback, uh, held the ball for just an extra second, missing Patrick Wagner in the end zone for what would be a go-ahead touchdown. And again, you know, hey, playing the shooter could have won a game, but you know, you take a 7-0 lead in there, you know, game, game takes. Uh, takes on a different life and um you know who knows maybe they end up losing but it's you know maybe a little bit of a closer game throughout um but um yeah it was um it was a tough go um the turnover on downs you know monumentally decisively swung in Harvard's side as a crimson scored back-to-back touchdowns on their next two possessions um Still, you know, down that big of a score, there was still plenty of time for the Tommies to make up the deficit. Um, unfortunately, anytime the Tommies really got something going offensively, it seemed like the Harvard defense just put put a convicting stop to it. Um, St. Thomas fumbled, um, you know, putting a stop to the team's third offensive possession of the day and eventually led to a 21-0 lead for them. Um <clears throat> But, you know, ultimately, um, St. Thomas defense came up big with two big plays in the waning minutes of the second quarter, uh, giving the offense an opportunity to score at the end of the half. Um, 
Herzog's near interception set up an actual interception by Leak, returning the ball to Powell and the Tommy offense. Um, but they just, you know, ultimately couldn't get it done. Um, ultimately, the two uh, touchdowns um, were ran in by the running backs, Hope Adebayo and Sean Shipman. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, each got um, each got one apiece. Um, it was. Excuse me, um, Tade, uh, Tech, Dakota, and Amari Powell, who kind of split the passing. Um, Amari Powell finished 15 of 25 for 146 yards. Unfortunately, with the two interceptions and was sacked three times. Um, and Tech came in uh, 7 for 17 for 70 yards. No interceptions, but no TDs and was sacked once. Um, Hope Adebayo um, ended up leading the way for the Tommies. Um, 12 or uh, 62 62 yards on the day uh, for him to Sean Shipman's 39. Um, and on the other side of things, uh, Andrew McElroy had a huge day, 121 yards on seven receptions. Um, but just again, you know, wasn't wasn't enough. And, um, you know, you take this one on the chin. Unfortunately, they are two or sorry, one and two heading into Pioneer Football League play. Um and with that, <clears throat> minus the season opening loss last year, this is the first time in the, or I guess second time in the three-year Division One uh, era in which the Tommies have a losing losing record. Um, but on the plus side, the Tommies are looking to extend their win streak, uh, their home win streak to twenty-eight games. Um, you know. They had two tough non-conference games, you know, these last two weeks, but they're going to open the Pioneer Football League on home turf as they're going to host the Moorhead State Eagles in their first conference game of the season. Uh, kickoff is scheduled for 1.04 p.m. at O'Shag Hennessy Field in, uh, in St. Paul. Um, you know, it, uh, it should be a, a fun game. Um... But, um, you know, St. Thomas may have its handful as Moorhead State is one of the highest scoring teams in the FCS this season. Entering Saturday's contest, the Eagles are averaging just under 30 points per game, uh, thanks in large part to the QB, their quarterback, Carter uh, Cravens. He's averaging 266 passing yards per game and ranks number 21st in the nation in total offense. Um, so, um... Yeah, uh, the Tommies will face a new opponent for the second straight week as this will be the first meeting between Moorhead State and St. Thomas in program history. The Eagles opened up the season 1-1 one and one and enjoyed a bye week after a 48-22 loss to number 20 Mercer on, back on September 9th. Uh, known for its offensive prowess, Minnesota State, or sorry, Moorhead State is averaging just below 30 points per game and holds a uh, 543 or a point five four eight third down conversion rate. Um, St. Thomas also enters uh, this contest with a two and zero record um, in conference openers since making the jump to Division One uh, a couple seasons ago. They they won their first ever game over Butler on September twenty fifth, defeating the Bulldogs by a final score of thirty six to nothing. And then last year they opened conference play. Um, with a 38-24 victory over Marist. So, 
Um, yeah, and, you know, home sweet home, I mean, uh, the Tommies entered the 2023 season with the longest home win streak at any level of college football, and they kept it going in a 36-26 win over Black Hill State, uh, and they'll look to extend that streak. Um, they have not lost at home uh, since December 3rd, 2016, so... Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a um, interesting and good game, and hopefully the Tommies can come back on top and bring their record uh, back to five hundred for the year. All right, now um, moving on to our excuse me, um, moving on to our uh, beloved um, Minnesota sports here. Um, I know uh, I got a couple eh, rather vague questions about the. Um, uh, twins, um, I know tonight they're currently, what is it, um, they're currently playing the Reds, um, and what is it, um, uh, they're currently playing the Reds, and they're currently, I think it's, yeah, it's a seventh inning right now, and, um, yeah, it's three to one, yeah, three to one, and so far, um, geez, what's this guy's name, um, Hunter Green is having one. He is uh he's having one. Um he's got like double digit uh um strikeouts. Uh the main reason I brought this up was because I saw this earlier today. So with the inclusion of some of these other games, should the Minnesota Twins end up finding a way to win tonight? Again, I they're currently down three to one right now. Should they find a way to come back and win? I'm pretty sure the magic number to clinch the AL Central is one. So that's a that's a big deal. Um, obviously, um, you know there's not a ton of time left in the schedule, or yeah, in the schedule. Um, um, what is it? The season ends, you know, a week and a half from now. Um, so it'll be interesting if they can win tonight and if they can find a win to win tomorrow. Um, how they how they play the South because as of right now, obviously, you know the worst they can do is the number one uh, or the number yeah one wild card because of the Central and because of there's three technical wild card teams now. Um, but I'm trying to see here, you know, Baltimore. <clears throat> is more than likely going to um is more than likely going to win the east um you know so you look at the twins needing you know having some serious ground to cover to try to get that second spot and do that um so you know you you know it begs the question once you clinch the AL central you know what do you do do you rest some of your guys and get healthy for the playoffs or um you know what? Yeah, like I said, obviously there's not a ton of time um, left. <clears throat> you know, season season is winding down here. I think tonight is their last, yeah, third and final game against the Reds. And after tonight's game, they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games left. You know, so um, it'll be interesting to see how the last week plays out here. But um, it, unless there's some catastrophic, colossal problem that happens um 
you know, the Twins are going to make the postseason, and hopefully they can at least least win a game. Um, so yeah, moving on. Um, the Wild had uh, their showcase this last weekend. Um, doesn't look like they posted a ton about it, but they did beat the Blackhawks seven to four. Um, in the final game, um. The Blackhawks elected not to play two of their top prospects in Connor Bedard and Wyatt Kate Kaiser. Um, uh, but I, 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 I saw some crazy goal from Bedard, so it must have just been the second game they didn't want to play him in, which um, totally fine. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was... Um, um, it was... Uh, you know, uh, a lot of things going on, and obviously, you, you know, you like to look at these games and say, oh my gosh, like, our prospects are really, really good. They're playing up against other prospects, though, so, you know, so it's not like they're, you know, playing against the likes of, you know, the Carrills, the um, the Crosbys, you know, the top guys in the league that you're going to see night in and night out necessarily. Um, Sammy Walker got a hat-trick in the last game, so... um you know, good things, exciting things, um, and I, you know, it'll be a crazy couple of weeks here as we are inching closer and closer to, um, preseason here, um, but the only other thing worth of news that we have to report on for you guys is this Sunday, uh, they signed forward, uh, Jujar Kahari to a two-way contract, um, they signed him, uh, Jujar Kara, Kara, to a two-year one, uh, two-way contract for uh, seven hundred seventy-five thousand um, on the NHL side and three hundred thousand for the AHL side. Um, Twenty-nine years old, <coughs> registered fourteen points, um, fourteen points, uh, thirty-one penalty minutes in fifty-one games last year with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, the six foot four, two hundred twelve pound native of Surrey, British Columbia, owns eighty points, um, two hundred twenty nine penalty minutes and six game winning goals and three hundred thirty six total career regular season, um, with teams like the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, he actually appeared in eight Stanley Cup playoff games with the Oilers and recorded one goal. So uh, it'll be fun uh, to see him in action. Um, you know, another big body, you know, six four, two twelve. Not sure if they're, you know, trying to replace the likes of Ryan Reeves, but um, you know, big body to say the least. Definitely gonna need some of those guys come, you know, crunch time and you know, playoffs. <coughs> Should they make it? So that is what we have for the wild. Um kinda same kind of spiel for the NBA. No new news on the Timberwolves, but expect, you know, the next couple the next couple of uh, weeks to ramp up here as we do get ready for preseason as well. You know, I I can't believe it looking at uh, the calendar, you know, September 20th. I mean, we have 10 days left in September and then um, barely a week into October. We already got the NBA preseason coming up. So excited to see uh, the boys back in action. Um, McDaniels, um, uh, Edwards, and all those guys. And... Um, 
yeah, exciting stuff. Can't wait. Um, can't wait to see them in action. But um, not a ton to um, report on, even as you know, basketball in general. I think everybody's still just kind of being quiet and uh, waiting to see uh, what happens in the week leading up to preseason. So, with that, we are we will move on to. Um, we will move on to the NFL uh, Vikings uh, segment here. Um, <coughs> look, I'm going to be completely honest. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say um, being 0-2 right now sucks. Um, is it ideal? Hell no. Um, but there's a lot to be um, excited about. There's a lot to be um looking forward to in that regards um you know through the first two weeks Kirk Cousins is second in the league in passing yards he's only behind Tua Tagovailoa who has only seven more passing yards um uh than him um you know you even look at excuse me you even look at um TDs and Kirk's tied with Jordan Love of all people um, for the most uh, touchdowns throughout the first two weeks, and um, you know, on on top of that, his completion percentage is third only behind Josh Allen, surprisingly, and uh, Lamar Jackson. So, good things, you know, good things right there. And you know, I mean, you even look at Justin Jefferson; he has the most um, he has the most uh, yards through the first two weeks by you know just about fifty. Uh, yards who um, Puka Nanuka is actually right behind him um, with 266. Tyreek Hill's got 255. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a TD yet, um, but he'll get going. You know, Jordan Addison, Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, you know, everybody's going to get their touches, um, and Justin Jefferson's going to be okay. Um, then you even look at the defensive side of things. Um, Cameron Bynum, of all people, is tied for fourth with total tackles. Um, you know, you look at, you, you, you even look at, blah, 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 sorry, you even look at sacks. Uh, Daniel Hunter uh, is tied with TJ Watt with the most sacks for the first two weeks with four. Um, and if that's not, um, if that's not, um, impressive enough, you look at some of these other games, um, and you know, this, you know, again, we're second in passing yards per game. And even on the uh, on the sack side of things, um, no, we're not top five. Um, but already having, you know, five through the first two weeks is a big step up. I think I loved, despite the loss, um, it was a close game like I anticipated, like I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think you look at some of the defensive fronts and the defensive looks we gave the Eagles in that first half were awesome we got to Jalen Hurts uh, we made him feel uncomfortable we were able to contain him um obviously we we you know we shot ourselves in the foot um fumbling the ball uh four times that game and um you know again should have could have would as a side I mean you look at these first two weeks and having seven turnovers and only losing by, you know, what, not even 10 points total. 
Um, you have to like where this team's at. You know, I think if you're Kevin O'Connell, you have to fucking harp on these guys. They have an extended week, which should help them against the Chargers. Um, but I think you got to harp on them about ball control. I mean, <clears throat> you got to look at this team and say, look, we're, you know, we're, I mean, you cut these turnovers in half, you know, still within the first two weeks. Turnovers happen. They suck, but that's just part of the game. They happen. I think if you are, are Kevin O'Connell, you got to look at this team and say, look, if we have one, two, or three turnovers in the first two games, we're probably 2-0 and all right now. Like, th- like, they need to look at this as, look, these seven turnovers are the reason we're 0-2. There are other things that factored into it, but you have to make that point that look, we can't be doing this game in and game out because we you do this game in and game out, it doesn't matter who you play. <coughs> Other teams are going to start stamping on you. Now, again, luckily for us, it's not like, you know, the four um, turnovers we gave the uh, Eagles turned into 28 points, but um, still, you know, not a good look. And um, definitely wanna, don't want to be trudging down that... Um, that uh that rabbit hole um and then before we kind of get into picks locks um gambling uh looking at this upcoming week against the chargers i did have one question and uh damien wants to know will the vikings win their next three games and gosh that that will that first word you used in your question it was a tough one will they win their next three games no could they win their next three games Yes, but being a betting man, I will put money on these next three games, them going two and one and getting past um and getting through week five, two and three. You know, again, not a great place to be. You know, you'd rather you'd rather have the Vikings win that excuse me. You'd rather the Vikings win that Tampa Bay game and be three and two after uh, two weeks. Um we have what it takes to beat the Chargers. We have what it takes to beat the um, lackluster Carolina Panthers, even in Carolina. Now, you know, that Kansas City game is going to be tough. It helps that we get to play it at home. Um, but we just we haven't played against Patrick Mahomes before. Yes, we've played against dual-threat quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. But, dude, as much as you hate to admit it because, you know, it's, it's kind of like the whole... Um, it's kind of like the whole Tom Brady thing. Like nobody likes the guy unless you're a Pats fan or you know you're a Bucks fan. But it's fun to root for him. It's fun to root against him. Um, and everything aside, he he's just a freak, you know. And you can prepare for him all you want and all you can. But the bottom line is you don't know what it's like to play up against him until um. You just actually play them, and it's going to be a tough feat to have. You know, obviously, we're not playing the same team that the Detroit Lions played week one. Travis Kelsey's going to be back, you know, barring an injury. Uh, Chris Jones is going to be back, barring an injury. So that defensive front is just going to be better than it looked in week one, even last week. Um, and the offense is going to be more explosive and better uh, come week five with Travis Kel- just by virtue of having Travis Kelsey back. So, um, so yes, Damian. Um, Will they win the next three games? No. Are they capable of winning the next three games? Yeah, they are capable of winning the next three games. You know, one of the things I like about this Vikings team, especially in U.S. Bank Stadium, is they are one of the best teams at home. It's just, it's tough to win there. You know, regardless of the team you have, you go to U.S. Bank Stadium and it is 
excuse my language, it is fucking rocking, you know, um, I'm kind of 50-50 on a chance of winning that game, but, you know, let's just, you know, let's get through these next two weeks, um, so yeah, without further ado, um, my lock for the week has to be the Dolphins, who are six and a half point favorites over the Broncos. Look, the Dolphins are um, often coaching and playing at a different speed of their opponent as Mike McDaniels uh, moves around his fast playmakers uh, and gets it done with big passing plays or explosive running. Meanwhile, this Denver team that I didn't think was going to be good this year comes into this game desperate. They're 0-2. They're making a long road trip after flopping twice at home against teams that they probably should have beat. Um... And I just don't believe Sean Payton is going to suddenly find the offensive and defensive answers that this team needs um, against, you know, a bad overall matchup um, for a so far new team. I think the Dolphins are going to be comfortable at home. I got them winning this game 35-17. And then my upset for the week is actually the Jets plus three over the Pats. Um, I think this last week, as tough as that game against Dallas was, was um they need to just they need to come to grips with to pretty much win games they need to do so with the running game and their defense they um they got the winning formula that work winning formula working a little bit to give Zach Wilson a chance in Dallas um and yes don't get me wrong Mac Jones and the Packs uh Pats have flashed uh offensive you know early um, resiliency and, you know, good numbers and passes and everything. But I think they're also pretty mistake prone against, uh, better pressure and coverage defenses, which, um, you know, this Jets defense (coughs) shines in instances like that, I think. So this week, I think Brees Hall gets the right workload after last week's just bad usage, um, from Salah. Um, and runs the Jets to a mild upset in the battle of attrition. I got the Jets winning this one, uh, 22-17. So, um, as for the Vikings game, we didn't even do this last week, so I hope you guys uh, listened better last week. Um, did did really well, you know, we had our, you know, because we always do lock, um, upset, um, Prediction of the Vikings game, offensive, defensive, um, and then three other games. So, you know, did pretty well this last week. Everything hit uh, except the upset. Um, the One of the other games I gave you guys, Cincy over the Ravens, didn't. <coughs> but everything else did. Um, TJ had a great game. Uh, defense had a good game. You know, we unfortunately lost a close one. Kind of thought that was going to happen. Um, but overall, you know... Had a all things considered, had a pretty good week last week. So I uh, hope you guys were able to cash in on some of that. Um, but yeah, I think you know you you look at this Chargers game, and I think I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I think we stack up pretty well against them. You know, I would probably have to give. Um, I would probably have to give the Vikings a little bit of the edge on defense just because I've, you know, I've been watching them, um, and maybe a little bit on the offensive side, just with the one, two punch (coughs) so far of, um, of JJ and Addison, but 
you know, the they also have Cup. They got those guys too. So it'll be interesting um, to see what happens. Um, oh, uh, we also went out and got uh, Cam Akers and signed uh, Dalton Reisner. Um, huge, huge you know, pieces, you know, I think if this run game is, you know, able to open up the pass game just a little bit and, you know, be able to have something of a run game, I definitely think that's going to help. And I think definitely beefing up that offensive line will do wonders too. Um, The one thing, I think it's going to be a relatively close game. I got this game being a win in our favor, 38 to 30. If... It could be an ugly game in terms of the Chargers, and we could even rack up more points. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert hasn't looked great with like making reads and all that kind of stuff. So if we can confuse him with how we've been doing our coverages the first two weeks, it could be even a bigger blowout. Um, but let's just get down into it. I think offensively, I think JJ is going to have another great day. I think I think he finishes the day with two tutties, uh, at least a hundred yards, probably even more. Defensively, I think we're going to get a pick six. Um, so here it is. With that, if you were to place a three-game parlay against the spread on the Vikings um, minus one, because they're technically favorites now, Jets plus three and Dolphins at minus six and a half, placing a one hundred dollar bet, you would win six hundred and twenty dollars. 10 to win 62 and 1 to win $6. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh and 20 cents. Um uh a couple other games I like uh the Bills are 6 and a half point favorites over the Commanders. I would be surprised um if uh that's not even a more blowout of a game. Um and then I think Jacksonville has another bounce back game. Uh they're 9 and a half points favorites over Houston. I would be I'm I'd be flabbergasted if the um uh if that's not a two touchdown game at least. Um and then really the only other upset I like um is uh the Saints plus two over the Packers. Um you know, the status of Aaron Jones and Christian Watson continues to be a concern for Green Bay. Meanwhile, the Saints have managed to keep games close. It's probably best to wait until closer to kickoff to see how healthy the Packers will be. Um but I got the Saints. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if the Saints are are f- for real or not, um, because their two wins have been f- for a combined four points. Yes, um, and this may this week's road game may be um, uh, maybe the toughest yet. But I think uh, New Orleans will probably start to turn some heads. I think it'll be a relatively close game. But I got the Saints winning this one in probably like a three or four point game holding on to that. Um, so, yeah, that is what I have for you guys this week. Um, reach out if you have any questions, if there are any other games. I am usually um, responding to messages and um, pretty um, open to talking to people on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikTok and everything like that. So, 
with that, I will leave you guys with, remember this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or by emailing us. Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram handles are at miniweekend, and email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. And be sure to let us know if you'd like to stay anonymous with your questions as well. Also find us and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter where there are giveaways and you can stay up to date on all things Mini Weekend. And lastly, make sure you hit that subscribe button to get notified of the new episode as soon as it comes out. Till next time, Mini.